This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. You know, in Matthew 28, it says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. I like that last line. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Now, your scripture might say obey, but the right word is observe. You can get a dog to obey, sit, heal, turn around. Well, I couldn't get my dog to do that, but most people could. And so observe is there's a process of understanding, following the rules, uh, knowing the hows and the whys. It's very important. I love this verse, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your good. Lord, you are just. You are righteous. You are holy. Lord, you are so good, Father. Our minds are just, we can't comprehend your goodness. Lord, and we are so blessed that we are like spoiled kids on Christmas morning with hundreds of gifts uh, waiting to be unwrapped for our enjoyment. Lord, you've already done that. You've, all the gifts that you've given us this morning, Lord, we just overwhelmed. And Lord, as good children, you know, we try to train our kids at Christmas morning, say thank you. Lord, we say thank you this morning. Can we say that together as a church? Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray, amen, amen. Last week we talked about, and we're going to just do a quick review, and uh, uh, Britton has stepped in this morning to do PowerPoint, and I really appreciate that. And our very first PowerPoint should say, uh, what kind of person is your mail carrier, and does it matter? And last week we talked about that. Does it really matter what kind of person your mail carrier is? Because all you really care about is what? That you get your mail, right? It's that you just get your mail, um, we don't really care if he's a nice person or a mean person. We just want, you know, my mail comes around 5 o'clock. Anybody on the, on the front line of the mail, you get yours, like, really early? I've never known anybody get theirs early. I always, you know, mine's always, like, 5, 5.30, and I feel bad for the mail carrier because it's late, and I know he still has a long road uh, ahead of him. But we don't really care if he's a nice guy, mean guy. We don't know. Well, I, I would say we don't care when I mean is that we're indifferent, you know, it doesn't even cross our minds to see what kind of person he is or what kind of mail carrier that person is. We just want them to deliver the goods. We want that Amazon package in our mailbox when Amazon says it's supposed to arrive. And if it's not there, we get a little what, antsy and a little frustrated, and then you start going to your neighbor's house to see if they have it over there. So, uh, however... The challenge last week is that that's not the case when God is calling us to deliver the good news of the gospel, that he's also calling us to be good news people. So in other words, the mail carrier of doesn't matter what kind of person he is, does not pertain to us. If we are the mail carriers of the gospel, it's important that we are not only delivering good news, that we're also being good news people. 
You know, I, I, I wasn't trying to be snarky last week, and I just happened to pick uh, on a person that was in the news, but we could have picked anybody. Uh, you know, there's that, there's that, um, that lifestyle where someone says something but lives a different lifestyle. You know, some of our uh, TV personality ministers, and I need to be careful because, you know, I don't know their hearts and God does, but, you know, when they live in, uh, there was a guy in the, in the 90s that was, um, was on television, and he was, he was on television weeping. This, this uh, minister was weeping because his house burnt down, and he was on television. You know, back in the day, that's how you know, a lot of ministers, TV ministries, and he was uh, asking the Lord, uh, the people in his audience, to help recover the expense of his house being burnt. But what he failed to mention was that he owns four houses, and it was one of his houses that got burnt. And when someone does that, again, delivering the good news, but confusing people in, in the message of the gospel. Now, it's not, we're not trying to say you can't be rich, uh, but he was given the impression that this was his only home and it burned down. But he didn't mention that. He literally had a home in Aspen, like, you know, like a 4,000 square foot home in Aspen. And so when news got a hold of it, it began to uh, seep into, I would say, the subconscious of our culture, of what we're watching that, that began to doubt the plausibility of the good news of the gospel. See, that's why it's important as believers of the good news is that we are beginning to live out the good news. So it's, we, uh, we can't just be great commission and going without having of the character that God so much wants us to change. Go and make disciples, teach them to observe all that I've commanded. That was one of the very first sermons we ever preached here in, at Mosaic Church in our old property. Because uh, then, it, then we started going on the journey of what did Jesus teach? And so we began on this journey uh, almost, well, actually 14 years ago in two weeks, the first week of September, uh, actually I can't remember if it was the last week of August or the first week of September, uh, 2007, uh, we started Mosaic Church. And so that was the first sermon, and then since that point, we have been trying to go, uh, with that understanding, go and teach them to observe all that I've commanded. And so we've been going through the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, to see exactly what Jesus was teaching his disciples. So the, the, uh, the question for last week, are you a good news person? Are you a good news person? We picked on a person last week, but this week, last week I tried to pick on us, is that we're delivering the good news, well, we, through our mouths, but do our homes bring clarity to the good news, or do our homes bring confusion to others around us? Does our home life, does our own life uh, bring plausibility to the good news of the transforming power of Christ? Or does it cause doubt to the plausibility of the power of Christ? So I want to challenge us that we... 
allow the Holy Spirit to help us to, uh, in our homes to not say one thing and do another and then bring doubt to those around us of the good news that we are so uh, uh, appreciative for. So, what exactly is the mail carrier's job? We kind of ended with this last week. His job is to be the mail carrier. You know, we want him to uh, get his mail, get her mail in the, in the vehicle, and uh, drop it in our box. That's the job. Uh, we would not be too happy, I think, you know, if we saw the mail carrier stopped about 10 houses before our house, and he's mowing someone's lawn, or she's mowing someone's lawn. Or the mail carrier stopped to, to help uh, an elderly lady's clogged sink. You know, those are good things, but that's not the role of the mail carrier. And so the question I have for us is, what is our role? What is our job? What kind of people kind of church, what is our role as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus in this world? Is the primary mission of the church just to deliver a message? Or is it the primary purpose to to live a holy life? You know, we finished last week with 2 Corinthians 5. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. And then, you know, I asked you to to look into ambassador, and we're not going to spend too much time. An ambassador is someone who's fully committed. When we send an ambassador overseas, we're not sending them to have their own opinion, to have their own foreign policy, to have, you know, they are going representing our government, our president, fully committed to, there's no halfway ambassadors. If they were, they'd be yanked and called back home. Uh, There's no halfway mailman if they decided just to stop in the middle of their route and and just do their own thing, uh, they would not be there for long because they're not fully committed. Uh, A school bus driver in... um, you know, someone who just delivers the kids to school but doesn't go back to take them off, get them from school is not completing its role as a, as a bus driver. And I write this, uh, which leads me to believe that the level of our commitment to Christ depends on our understanding, I believe, of God and our love for God. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, as we're, Early on in our journey with Jesus, we were in love with God. We don't understand everything, and not that we, we would understand everything. Um, you know, love to me is looking up, and, and, and God wants us to love him. And understanding a lot of times is looking down in a sense like, uh, I want to figure what, what's that rock look like? You know, what, what makes it a rock? And, and so, but both are important. So I think that sometimes uh, our commitment to God and Christ depends on our love and our understanding of God. The more depth you have of God's revelation, his word, one's experience in Christ, the more committed you'll be to fulfill God's plan and purpose for our lives in the church, the body of Christ. We are called to be completely uncompromising 
be uh, uncompromisingly to be loyal to God. A committed ambassador faithfully delivers the message of the sender. I've never met an ambassador, but I've read about ambassadors, you know, ambassadors that go overseas and they begin to live this, this, this life that isn't a good example and they have to yank them and bring them uh, back home. And so that's why we need to be careful as Christ ambassadors that we're uh, fulfilling our duty and purpose that God has called us to as, as a church and as a, a person inside his church. We're called to be completely and uncompromisingly loyal to God. And the message, of course, is Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So before we start today, I want to play a game. In a second, we're going to show you this video, not a video, but a, a picture of Guess Who. How many of you have ever played the game Guess Who? It's one of my favorite games. Not too many of you. You guys are missing out. You guys are missing out. Now, before we go any further, I want to tell you that um, this is a sermon series. So uh, if you just take today front to end, it may not uh, answer all your questions. The other thing, too, is uh, you've heard me say this, is that I have the message very clear in my head, and the challenge is to get it out of my head, uh, out through my mouth, and, and do it in such a way that you understand. And that's not an easy task. I, I don't know if there's a Sunday that I don't go home and I'm like, ah, I forgot to say this. Oh, I should have said that. And if I, if I would have said that and I, I could have said that, it would have been more clear. So it's a challenge. And uh, those of you who've been up here, you know, you know what that challenge is like. So I'm praying that God, through the Holy Spirit, will try to fill in the gaps that I failed to fill in uh, when I speak. So I'm hoping you get what I'm trying to say. But I'm not going to give you the complete answer because it's a journey that we are on together. So the, the big question really is, what is our role? You know, what makes us, what is our role as a, as a church? What is our message well, part of the message I'm trying to tell you is that it's important that we live the life, not just talk about the glorious life in Christ. It has to be uh, fleshed out in our own lives. So guess who? So I'm going to try to make a point by this, by this point. I want you to raise your hand at the moment you know who I'm talking about, all right? So I try to pick a character that maybe half of you would know. So just raise your hand. You don't have to say anything out loud, just... Okay, uh, so I'm going to give you some clues, and you just raise your hand, uh, and we'll see who's the first one to know, and, and I'm gonna, not going to ask you to say it out loud. Uh, this person spent his early years in Brandy Hall in Buckland. Okay. He and his childhood friend would often steal mushrooms from Farmer Maggot's farm at Bamfrelong. Okay, we got one, Okay. An only child, this person stayed in Brandy Hall until he was 99 years old, and Uncle Bilbo adopted him in year 2989. I got a couple of hands going up. Uh, Bilbo took this person to live with him at his home in Bag End and made him his heir. All right, we got some more hands. Yes. Bilbo gave a memorable birthday speech before a, playing a joke on his fellow hobbits, by using the one ring to disappear 
at which Gandalf quickly reacted and used his staff to create a blinding flash where Bilbo had been standing. The hobbits at the party were left confused and disgruntled, and Bilbo was never seen again in the Shire. Okay, before, so who am I talking about earlier on? Before departing on his journey to Rivendell, Bilbo had a long conversation with Gandalf, who finally persuaded him to volunteer surrender the, the one ring. But let's go back to the first one. He spent his early years in Brainy Hall. He and his childhood friends were often steal mushrooms. So anybody, so just guess, raise your hand if you know who I'm possibly talking about, at least the story. So about half of you. All right. That, that's perfect. That's exactly what I was anticipating. We're talking about Frodo and the story of the Lord of the Rings. How do you know this? Now, uh, Adam, how, how did you know those clues that I gave you? Say that again? But how did you recognize everything? Did you read the book? Okay, you read the book. All right. Anybody just watched the movie? I'm raising my hand. Yeah. If you read the book and you watched the movie, you kind of know what's going on, right? And you know the story, and even just mentioning of those names uh, probably conjures up a picture. And if you've seen all the movies, then you kind of know from beginning to end. And then you kind of, if you've seen The Hobbit, then you know the, the, the beginning beginning. I'm trying to make a point here. One may think that the Great Commission started with the Great Commission. And so sometimes, um, if you didn't know what I was talking about, I would equate that to someone who hasn't really... Um, hasn't read the book, right? You haven't read the book. You might recognize a name, but you don't really understand what's going on. So I'm just going to take a wild guess, but my mother-in-law and father-in-law, you have no idea of the book or pers uh, person I'm reading, right? Because right? they've never read the book. They've never, they haven't seen the movie, which is a very long movie. And so, so I could talk to you about characters of the story, and they would have no clue what I'm talking about. Now, you're probably thinking, like, what's Pastor Mari getting to? So I, that's what I want you. I want you to think about what I'm trying to get at. What do you think made our early, I talked to Jeremy about this. Uh, he was telling me about uh, something he saw. But what made our early Christians, the early church, so courageous? And it began to expand uh, the church. What was, what was the church, how did how did they become so mission-oriented that they became unstoppable? They, they were determined to spread the gospel. You might think it was just that they knew the, the, the Great Commission. Like, in other words, they heard, they heard Jesus say that, and they were like, wow, Jesus said it, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to go for it. And that could be the case. It's probably some of the reason. Um, they, they learned to be obedient immediately. Every person that heard the gospel, heard, saw Jesus, immediately was 100% obedient. And that's why the church just uh, spread like wildfire. It could be, right? It could be that everybody was obedient, and probably some of that is true. It could be that... Um, the, uh, this is what I talked to Jeremy about. You know, everything was kind of prime 
for the spreading of the gospel. The Roman Empire creating these roads and, and creating these, uh, these cities and, and people can travel. And, and, and maybe that is part of the reason the gospel spread. But I don't know if that really made them this courageous church in the beginning. The world was primed for the Messiah. It's true. But why was the church so impactful early on? And what I'm going to tell you is kind of a guess. It's, it's, uh, but it's not a guess. It's an educated guess from what I'm reading here from, from, this, from the Bible. Uh, I will tell you this immediately. That when they read the story... They had, or when, they, when they saw Jesus, they knew something about a Messiah. Jesus was not just a surprise to those people that he was around. They kind of had a grasp, but there was a, a Messiah that was about to come. Matter of fact, they were waiting on him. I find this a very interesting story that comes out of the road to Emmaus. It's in Luke chapter 24. You want to look there. This is after Jesus died and, was ro- and rose again, and now he's meeting uh, for the first time his disciples. It's a little bit of a long read, but I'll try to be as quick as possible. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, and they found a stone rolled away from the tomb. I'll skip down to verse 10. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. They went to the tomb, and they didn't see Jesus. But these words seemed to be idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths. In verse 13, the very day two of them were walking to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing them. What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? Jesus asked, and they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests, rulers, delivered him up to the condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he was one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Look what Jesus says. If you can highlight, I don't know if you're capable of highlighting anymore. Verse 25, and Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe All that the what? The prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? 
and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So you're probably thinking, Pastor Mario, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that these disciples had kind of an idea of the story from the scriptures that they read. They had an idea. I think one of the challenges in our churches today is that no one really reads the scriptures. Can you imagine, you know, back to the Lord of the Rings, you just decided to open up to chapter 22 and read the story? It would kind of make sense, but it wouldn't make fully sense, right? You would kind of get some of the names of the characters and the plot of the story, but you wouldn't get the whole story. I, I did that. I tried. Uh, when my kids were small, uh, we ended up getting the, the CDs. And I remember uh, putting a CD that was not CD number one. And I remember, you know, this is before the movie had come out. And um, so I, did, I couldn't grasp my mind around the, I think they're called ants, the, the trees, right? I couldn't, you know, they were talking. And um, how can you have talking trees? And I remember listening to it. It's like, this does not make sense. And it wasn't until later on that, you know, you, I saw the movie, and you saw it from front to end, all the movies. Now you get it. You understand the characters. You understand why they're there and what they're doing and what their role is. What I am trying to, to propose to you this morning, some of our challenges that, from us as believers is that we fail to see the big picture that we can can be found in his word. That can be found in his word. Jesus says, hey, listen. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So in other words, there's a reference point that they understood. They must have read somewhere about what the prophets said. And, and uh, he says, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So there's a reference point that the disciples, the apostles, must have had some understanding. Like, hey, you read this. You should see me in the story. And, and so Jesus clarifies, hey, I am part of this big story that the prophets talked about and Moses talked about and the Psalms talked about. And one of our challenges here today is that because we're not uh, scripture readers, you know, we might read a, a Psalms. Uh, we might read, you know, a verse in Romans, you know, and, you know, Corinthians and the Gospels. And if you do that, I'm telling you, it's going to be hard to get an understanding of the whole story. Well, you, you know, uh, your life circumstances, you start thinking, like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And I've been there. 
And sometimes I'm there more often than I'd like to admit. But then it, the Holy Spirit reminds me, it's like, man, Pastor Mario, see yourself in this story. See yourself in this story. See yourself in the story. You know, I, I, I posted a quote on social media this, this week. Is When I was young, I used to think, Lord, here's my life, here's my plan, and I'm going to take this verse and insert it into my plan. I can do all things through Christ. Who what? Yes. And I would insert that into my plan. And then all of a sudden things didn't work out the way I thought they were. And then I'm like, how come the verse didn't work? I can do all things. And I realized soon that it's almost like showing up to... uh, you know, I got to see the movie, uh, the play Grease, right in town here. Uh, uh, the Young Actors Theater, it was, it was really cool. I knew the story. You know, I watched the original movie, John Travolta. So it was cool. It was, it was, it was nostalgic. And what I recognize is that every actor I mean, maybe had their own little nuance, but basically they played the role. And so I appreciated, I appreciated the play. I thought it was fantastic. Um, uh, what I... I know definitely did not happen is, uh, let's say the, the you know, uh, Sandra, I can't remember her name. Let's just call her the character Sandra. You know, that actor didn't show up with her own script at the play. Um, or let's just call it, if we were talking about Lord of the Rings, someone, if there's a play, the Lord of the Rings, someone just doesn't just show up with their script. There's already a script. You know, so if, if I'm asking you to play part of Legolas, then you're going to go, you kind of know. You don't show up with your own script. And I realized in my, in my journey with Jesus early on, I was so naive and, and uh, just naive that I began to, I sh- I'm basically coming to God with my own script. I have my own plans. This is what I want to do with my life. And I want to insert Jesus here, that scripture here, and that scripture here. And, and I realized that that doesn't work. Because there's an overall, there's a script that's already out there. And God is calling us. So back to the mailman scenario, and I need, you know I've got a lot of scenarios going on here. But back to the mailman scenario, what is our role? What is your role here at the church? What is your role in the church in general? What, what has God called you to do? Did we show up to God with our own script and ask him to bless us? Or do we say, Lord, where do you have me in your script, in your scripture? And I realized that when I, I that kind of clicked in my life, I realized that it's, it's, God's not there to, to put everything aside for me and my plans and my purpose, but I'm there for him, that he has a plan for my life in his plan. And so the, the challenge is, is you can see that part of it is, is reading the scriptures. You have to read the scriptures. If, if we don't remember anything today, is that we need to be a people that begins to read the Bible. When you start reading the Bible, and, you know, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you get, a, you get the picture. You, it's like you, un, you begin to get, grasp it. But if we're not reading it's not going to make sense to you. It's not. 
So I want to challenge you part, and this is not the, the answer, but it's part of the answer. What is the purpose and plan for us as believers, as followers and disciples of Jesus? And part of it is finding out is by reading his scriptures. Reading his scriptures. Not just a scripture, not just a verse of the day, as nice as that is, but a verse of the day. If you're living on a verse of the day, you're not going to get the whole picture. You're going you're gonna to turn to page 422 in a, some story, and you're going to get a page, and, it, and you're going to think it applies to you, and you realize it doesn't apply to you. So this morning, the big question is, what, what is your role? What, what is our role as a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus? I would say one of the most important steps in our journey with Jesus is to read his word, to read his word. Read the word. So, you know, maybe start in the beginning and read all of the gospels, you know, read all of the New Testament, but don't just read a scripture and then roam around to another scripture because then you could fall easily to think, I'm living my script and I want, to, I want God to, to fit. I want God it's like asking him to try out for a role in my play. And we don't want to do that because it, don't, it doesn't work like that. When we're not reading the whole thing, we, we start writing our own script and we want him, we, okay, Jesus, you come in this part and I want you to do this and this and that. And so I want us to grow up as a church and to begin to read. Now, uh, typically Americans, we're not a lot of readers, so there's actually some really good tools out there. And I do want to leave you with this. Um, the Bible Project, we did it uh, two years ago. Um, you know, we did, we asked everybody to do uh, the whole Bible. And it was a lot. We shouldn't, have, we shouldn't have done it all in like, let's do it all in eight weeks. Uh, but let me encourage you. If you're not a reader, then a tool like that would be really good. There's a good one. And I can send you the link. Just kind of give you the overarching theme. How do the books and the Bibles connect? And everything points to Christ. But let me challenge you this morning. I plead you, beg, read the whole story. Read the whole story. And when you do that, you start recognizing why it's important that we are living a life that not only are we delivering the good news, that why we need to be the good news people. And why we need to be who God has called us to be. If your life hasn't changed, I, I forget where I read this, but typically, once you're like over 30, life changes very little. And I would hate to think that the cement has uh, settled in our lives. All of us, Mario included, my in-laws, anyone who's older than me, we have not arrived and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to change us still. But the older you get, the harder it's going to be. So you need to know that and you can see it if you read the scriptures. But through the Holy Spirit, God can help us. And as you read his scriptures, I believe God will begin to reveal what our role is in his plan. So, I know it was a big teaching kind of thing, you know, like, this is not like a rah-rah sermon, but let me implore, read his scriptures. 
read his scriptures so you get a good understanding of where your life fits in it. If not, it's, you're going to flip, flip it, and you're going to figure out how does this fit into my life. And that's a really immature, uh, elementary believer. Elementary believers think, well, how can Jesus fit in my story? Mature believers, like, how do I fit in his story? How do I fit in his story? So this morning, I want us to just pray, and I want us to just say, Lord, help me to be a reader of your word. Now, we've been really blessed. The church for centuries didn't have the written word. And they relied on people like me, <laughs> ministers and priests, um, and uh, sometimes that didn't uh, go so well. But we've been really blessed and been given good scriptures to read to get a good story, a g- get the big picture of the whole story of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this day. Lord, I know that um, you care for us and you want us to be uh, good news people. But as we read the whole story we're reading, Lord, you, we understand the whys. Lord, we don't want to be stuck on just on the how, but Lord, we want to understand through your word the the whys, which really empowers us of the how. Why we live for you and how we live for you. Lord, I pray, God, that Mosaic Church people, whether they're here in person or at home, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, this is not gritting teeth, uh, tightening belts, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make us uh, good readers of your word. And of course, not just readers, but Lord, we began to apply them into our life. And Lord, help us to figure out what our role is in your story. How do we fit into your scripture story, into your family? Lord, thank you, God. I pray that every person in this room Lord, the Holy Spirit will remind them, that will remind them to read the word. To read the word. Not just to read a verse, but to read a word. Help us to not go through the rest of our lives not really understanding the story, the whole story. And Lord, as we've already read in in. And Jesus, when he was talking to disciples, later on in that chapter, Lord, it says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would open our minds through your Holy Spirit to understand the scriptures. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray that. In your precious name. Lord, we ask to help us to be readers, learners of your word. We say thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurch.com. TLH.com.